Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is my partner. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They have what you need for every application, every price point. There's no reason for you not to be using Daiwa reels. For Pete's sake, they've got your bass covered. You gotta work with Daiwa reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts, and don't forget you can check it out at wefishasa.com. Thanks to our good friend Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida, for putting this all together for us. He does such a great job. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Roy. We also welcome Brad Fuller from the National Professional Fishing League. Their new tournament starts up. Let's hear what that's all about. And I'm going to get to spend a little time with a guy I just watched win the $300,000 Major League Fishing Red Crest Championship on Lake Murray down in Charlotte, North Carolina. The one and only Mr. Brian Thrift. But first, let me hand this off to Dave Kranz who's going to bring on Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am good. Uh, you know, we, we just talked about this, uh, not have ever talked about water depth and how deep you can catch bass and other fish and how shallow you can catch them. So it's a kind of an interesting topic. It is. It's a good topic, too. It's uh, There's a lot to it. You know, what determines why fish go deep and why they go shallow and, you know, the different strategies. And, you know, sometimes they're super, super deep and it can kind of be hard on them to catch them. And, and other times they're a lot shallower than we can ever imagine they would get, you know, so it's a, it's a big topic for sure. It is. And, uh, you know, I, I was, it, that made me think on uh, times in the August when it's hot and you think, OK, they're all going to be deep, all going to be deep. And and uh, I, I'm going to give something away here. I kind of figured out um, after a rain and hot summer weather, uh, that top couple feet of the water is oxygenated because the, the rain's coming into the water and it seems to have some. So I've had some really good success fishing right up against the bank under docks on sunny days and you th- everybody's fishing deep, yet I'm catching them shallow because I think those that upper two feet has oxygen in it and in areas where they could suspend, they could be there or right underneath it, almost like a surface thermocline. Have you ever, ever experienced anything like that? I've experienced it a lot. I don't know if I could, if I could actually put my finger on why they do that, but you know, it could be reduced water clarity, which brings them up higher. It could be uh, that it's washing food in that puts them on the bank, because I've I've caught the fire out of them in little feeder creeks and rains, yeah, absolutely, and around them. So you know, I don't really know exactly why that is, but it certainly is the case. And anytime water is going up, if it's warm they'll push up with it too. So there's, there's a lot of things that cause that, but you know, it's interesting water depth. One, one thing that took me a long time to get my heads around is they're not always in one depth. I mean, there's, as we've spoken before, Dave, it, you know, we could talk about 
crappie or bass or whatever we're going to talk about, but there's usually multiple patterns going on at the same time, the same day on the same lake. And there's somebody catching them in two foot and somebody catching them in 15. You know, and, and part of that can be where the bait is. It can, it can be the time of year. Um, uh, but, you know, we certainly don't just want to lock in on one depth. But one thing's for certain, they can be in all those depths and much deeper. And we've talked about thermoclines as well, too, which is one of the best depth topics we've ever covered because that's a really good summer pattern when that water gets warm. Um, a lot of times those targets right up right at or above that thermocline are the juice, you know, so... It's a it, it's a it's a really good topic. It's an, it's important to understand not only the fact they do go super shallow, shallow or super deep, but why. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, there's probably uh, different groups of fish uh, in at the same time because if they're comfortable and they they have the right temperatures and they they've got food in front of them uh, and they they probably feel safe in certain areas by certain structures whether that's deep or in the middle or shallow i, I think different fish are are probably setting up differently because of those factors not necessarily like you said they're not all going to do one thing I would have to agree with that. You know, obviously these fish are programmed to be comfortable and to, and to feed with the exception of the spawn. Yep. And, uh, you know, so if we get scenarios where they're not bedded up, they're not spawning, then there's comfortable water temperature and food at a lot of different depth ranges. And, and I think you're absolutely right. And, and there's sometimes where you want to throw the book out the window. The water is super clear and there's no wind and, and you're catching them in two foot of water. And, and that, that could be because there's some type of shad spawn or, you know, all sorts of these things going on. But, you know, it, it, that's, it, it's funny because we I just got back from a big sports show and you see all these tens of thousands of baits out there that run in all these different depth ranges. And, and that's, that's the reason why is they all work. It, it, you know, they might not all work at one snapshot at time, but it's important to have diversity in your arsenal, regardless what species you're fishing for. Yeah. And I think time of year can be a factor too, whether you're throwing a deep crankbait or a wake type bait or, or even a swim bait for that matter, how far you let it drop or how high you hold it up. And you can change that with the angle of the rod. And, and, but, but yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a interesting thing. And it's something every time we go out, we, we have to figure out where they're at. I, I forget, I get, don't remember who told me this, but the, he told me, he said, yeah, they're always uh, shallow, deep, or somewhere in between. And, and that, that is where they're at. And sometimes they're in all three. Well, it seems like a lot of common sense there, but it's very true. There's a lot of truth to that. You know, I just watched the guys at Redcrest. I was watching it on TV. It's down in North Carolina working the show. And, you know, you see, you see some of them right on the bank. And then you see some fishing deeper docks on the outside edge of it. And then you see people way off on these long points where they drop off, where they sink Christmas trees. And three completely different patterns, and all three were working. You know, so that's just indicative of the nature of what these fish do. And they, they can set up in multiple depths in the exact same time, exact same place, exact same lake, you know. So, and I, and I would say that's true um, with crappies are very, very much that way. Um, they, they'll, you know, I, I guess there's a couple exceptions we should talk about. Certainly the spawn, um, when, when that depth range drastically reduces, they want the right water temperature, sun exposure, 
we talk about bottom content a million times and that's what we're really focusing on there but pre-spawn and especially post-spawn and into the early summer and then all the way into the late fall those fish can be super super shallow i mean you know as well as i do the times you throw a moving bait out there like any type of soft plastic moving bait and you can see the v-wake coming at it the reason you can see that is the water's just that shallow uh, casting into areas where you can't even get your trolling motor back into yeah and they're back in there and so i think it's really important to think outside the box and it, that, that too shallow thing i think a lot of people don't look at close enough I, it, predator fish get a lot shallower than people realize a lot of times of the year yeah and sometimes you you hit a stretch of shallow water and you think oh i can't go any farther into that whether that's on a river or a lake or impoundment but sometimes you have a a lip there and a ridge and then there's a little bit deeper water on the other side of it and it, it's it doesn't hurt to explore that either well, and, and I'll add to that, you, if you have moving water, they don't mm. need depth. If, if you have any type of current, whether that's windblown or whether it's obviously on a river, then they'll be on a shallow flat uh, as long as the bait's up there and the bottom's right. You know, so we always want to we always want to think about that. And, and, it, and I, I would say that another thing we could talk about is that mantra holds true in lakes and rivers both in terms of that depth feel. I mean, in, in the summertime, we're catching them, you know, on the deep side of a wing dam and then sometimes right on the top of the thing and certainly on the upcurrent side of it, way in backwater sloughs and then in 12-foot holes, same species, you know. So I think I think you, you said it right, it, you know, that comfortable water temperature uh, and food is what really drives that. And then obviously everything has to be right on the oxygen side, the water quality, Dave. How many times have we talked about that? You know, you can you can just tell when you get around that white that right quality, little bait fish swimming around, the vegetation's the right color and every there's birds standing on the bank and you get around a situation like that, they can be at all sorts of different depths. Absolutely. The other thing on slop fishing that I've noticed if I figured out uh, that you've you may be casting to, there's only two foot of water up there, but maybe because of the bottom content or something else, the weeds grow differently or it's different types of weeds. You'll see a transition on those. And in, you might be in two foot of water and in some places there's a foot of the of the mat there. In other places, there might only be two or three inches. And I've caught them in those areas where the mat is much thinner than other places. And I haven't always figured out why, but I figured out that it was thinner there and that's why they were there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think those mats or docks or anything like that, um, put an umbrella over their head. It's, it, that, that's a light thing. It, I think those fish feel safe from aerial predators and they, there's reduced uh, light penetration. Bait fish love to get around anything floating like that. Dave, I've caught them on like a piece of plywood that's drifted up next to the bank before, as long as it's been sitting there long enough. You know, how many times you've caught one off a, a marina buoy, you know, a, two inches under the surface, there's a big bass sitting there, you know. So I, I think that there's a, um, you know, we can talk, when we talk about water depth, a lot of our listeners out there are probably thinking about, well, these guys are either fishing in a foot of water or 20 foot of water. Now, it can be 30 foot of water, but they can only be a foot down a lot of times. And we've talked about water column a lot, and that, that applies especially on the thermocline topic, but it applies all times of year also because wherever those bait are, a lot of times those bass and crappie and everything are going to be either right with them or just a few feet under them. 
Absolutely. And, and you know what, at, no matter what topic we, you and I talk about, we both seem to learn from it and it gets our minds going and thinking. And, and I know we've talked about this before many times. I'm in, I'm in my boat and I'm sure you're in your, your boat and you think, boy, Dave and I talked about this on the podcast and you remember things and then you go and you, you try to continually uh, learn. And, and we both do and we from each other and the guest and, uh, you know, look forward to talking to you next week as always, Dan. Dave, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. This segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, I always like to say that every guest I get to interview on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He is Brad Fuller, president of the National Professional Fishing League. Welcome to the program, Brad. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Uh, so you you guys are holding your first event as we speak. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how many events you have uh, and tell us a little bit about the uh the National Professional Fishing League, how long you've been around, and where do you expect to take it? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So we're, we're, this is our third year, so uh, we are, we're on the cusp of uh, start kicking off our third year here down at Pickwick at uh, Florence, Alabama. Um, we run six events throughout the year. We start now, obviously, in March, and our last event runs through uh, the end of October. Sometimes we tickle into November to get some of that fall fishing kind of flavor back in fishing. And then we're going to run this year. We've uh, introduced a, a championship uh, that'll be a no entry fee championship. Uh, every angler is going to be guaranteed. We're going to take the top 25 out of the 76 field we have this year. Uh, take them down to Amistad in uh, South Texas, and uh, we're going to put out a $250,000 purse and pay the winner of that championship for the no entry fee, a hundred thousand. Excellent. Um, yeah, we're paying. Uh, about 20 anglers this year out of the 76 with the first place prize that we're really proud of at $100,000. So one of these 76 anglers down here this week is going to get uh, 
a hundred thousand reasons to really, really like bass fishing. <laughs> Absolutely, so, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's good. And you don't have co-anglers in the boat. These are just a pro-pro event? Yeah, these are pro-pro events, no co-anglers, um, three days of practice. Typically, we have an off day, but with the Classic coming up, you know, we've, we've got some Classic obligations in the field, so uh, we wanted to make sure those guys get a chance to get down there and, and do all their responsibilities at the Classic. So we're going to run uh, no off day this week, so we're practicing Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then we're going to go right into the tournament Wednesday, Thursday, then crown our champion on Friday. Excellent. So uh, how do you select your anglers? What's, what's the criteria to get the, uh, you know, I, I saw when you first guys, you start three years ago, I, I did uh, notice it because I, I actually fished Major League Fishing Toyota Series, but at uh, the Northern Division. And so I, I watched what was going on. I, um, uh, time is a, is a factor for me. I also run a tackle store in Northern Illinois, so I, I didn't have the opportunity to, to look at it any further than that. But how do you get your anglers? So we, we run an application process where, we, you know, an angler goes on and says, hey, I, you know, we, we want them to select us probably more than we select them, to be honest with you, Dave. Like, Excellent. We, we want to be very uh, forthright in, in what we are and what we aren't as a company. I, I think the company identity should be important to an angler and what we're about, what we will do, what we won't do and all those things. So when you talk about selecting anglers, we want we want valuable partners. Right. And, and that, that takes a lot of different shapes and forms when you look at individual anglers. Listen, there is no criteria, if you will. Right. We don't say, hey, you have to have competed at this level or you have to have done this. We don't check those boxes. The most important thing in the application process is the angler interview that, that typically I do or one of my staff. It's typically me. We call it the angler. We just have a conversation about fishing and life and see where they are and make sure it's a good fit. And that's how we select who participates in the MPFL. Excellent. So they, they're uh, also a business partner. 100%. And, and, if, and if, if, if people in your audience haven't figured that out by now, they, if you're going to work and compete in the fishing industry as an angler, you better darn sure understand that it is a business. Yes. Oh, oh the, without a doubt. You, you are 100% uh, correct. So what, what are the entry fees to compete? You say you have 70-some anglers right now? 70, yeah, we have 76 this year. So it's 5200 per tournament. Uh, so thirty-one two for the year um, for all six events, and that that includes the no entry fee championship uh, that will run in twenty-four. I get it. So yeah, that. So is there a cap? Are you are you looking for a different number? Are you trying to get to more anglers? Are you going to cap it somewhere? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to cap it. So we do it a little different. We run a full trailered weigh-in, and all of our anglers fish all three days. We don't we don't cut the field. Okay. So. Based on those logistics, our max number for participation is 130. And um, we, we'd like to get to 130. We won't go above 130. We can't go above 130. But, you know, one, 130 is, is the number we're shooting for in 2024. Yeah, and that's, and that's a lot of people fishing. And like you said, logistically, to, to run through the uh, – get these weigh-ins through a trailer, handling fish and releasing fish and everything, that's, that's a, sounds like a good number uh, to me. So how do you pick your locations? Well, we, we, we like to go, so every year we try to go somewhere, at least one venue out of what I would call the normal rotation of major events across professional bass fishing at this level. So, for instance, in year one, we went to a lake out in the Texarkana, Texas-Arkansas border called Texarkana. Phenomenal fishery, relatively unknown, not a lot of data about it. Um, and then last year we went to Saginaw Bay. There have been some college events up there. Mm -hmm. um, I know some guys up there. 
And those two fisheries are phenomenal fisheries that were relatively kind of unknown for bass fishing. And we feel like, you know, we, we bring value to those chambers and those cities when we start to turn on that tourism button of, uh, you know, getting getting anglers up there to, to chase uh, brown fish and green fish at Saginaw. That is one of the craziest ecosystems I've seen with as far as the bass population goes. I think most every angler last year in our field was catching 75 plus uh, fish a day. Like it's, it's just a phenomenal fishery. So when we build our schedule, we always want a little flavor of, man, I, I don't know a lot about that lake. And we feel like that brings some viewing interests and uh, some different partners into fishing. Yeah, and certainly at a, at a field right now of 76 with a, a max of 130, you can probably go to places that tournaments uh, go to now in other leagues that are having 250 to 300 anglers, and, and they probably couldn't run one on some of those bodies of water. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we're really excited about the possibilities for a 25-man field. So on 76 anglers, we're going to run a 25-man championship field. And then our number at 130 is a 40-man field okay. for the championship. Okay. So you can go with a lot of real – listen, you and I both know, and I, every angler out there knows, there's a lot of really good lakes that just don't support even a 70-boat field. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. with 40 anglers, you can go to some very interesting places uh, for a championship that people probably never heard of. Yeah, and and that's good. It gives, uh, and and it in some ways it may level the playing field even more than on the known bodies of water that that circuits go to year after year after year. Absolutely, and that 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 leveling the playing field. We've we've taken great links with our no information rule and how we how we uh, the the expectations we levy on our anglers for how we adjudicate the no information rule and look at it. Like we really want the best angler to win each one of our events, not the guy who has the best network or the guy who has the most history or that. We, we really work towards that leveling the playing field and, and the anglers seem to like that. They, they want to go out and compete and know that they, uh, they won that tournament or didn't win that tournament based on their own merit. Yeah, and, and anglers are competitive by nature, and, and you're exactly right. When you go out there, you want to you know that you figured out better that, that week than the rest of the field, and, and that's good. It, it, do you have marshals in the boat, or, or how does that work? No, we, we run POVs, so POV cameras are required. Uh, they're required to maintain those POV camera, the data cards in those mm -hmm. um, for the event. So we, we use their POV cameras as the marshal, and then we have uh, some various GPS tracking methods we use for locating anglers and things like that. So yeah. we use the POV, no marshals. Okay, all right. And that, you know, less clutter in the boat, more, more maybe concentration for the anglers to be uh, concentrating on catching fish rather than, you know, other things. But that, I like that. That's, that's good. Uh, yes, sir. No, no doubt. Now, do you see, have you increased in the last three years? Is 76 or has that been pretty, the consistent number so far? Or? No, we were, we were at uh, about a hundred and around the 120 mark the last couple of years. Um, you know, we look, man, this is a, this is a fickle, you know, very competitive business. And, and, one thing you'll hear about us, Dave, is we're, we're pretty transparent and, and look, we're, we're learning this business as we go. And we kind of came out early on in 22 and, and had a model out there with higher entry fees, the entry fees for 6,000. Um, and we, we had a little different model we were looking at and it wasn't received well by the anglers, you know, the downturn in the economy, there's a million reasons why yeah. that wasn't very well received. We are never afraid to look in the mirror and go, man, we screwed that up. 
right? Like we, we shouldn't have done that. And, and, and angers will dictate, listen, I have, I've been on several of these deals like you're doing and angers are the number one commodity in bass fishing. I don't care what anybody says. I truly believe that. And if you don't have anglers, you don't have a trail, right? So we're trying to build a very, we want to build a home for anglers to come and we want anglers to stay with us and all those things, right? So we went back to the drawing board and came up with a new 5,200 model and the championship and all those things. And we feel very blessed and fortunate that we were able to get 76 anglers to come out and jump on this thing with us this year. So a um, little downturn in the numbers this year. We're actually, now that we're here, now that we're through all the business and the off-season kind of cycling that you do and forming your business and your pro formas and all those things. Now that we're here, <clears throat> based on what we do, we're, we're kind of, 76 looks pretty good right now. Should be, yeah, yep. should be a pretty easy process for us. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> if people want to find out more information, uh, where do they go to? Yeah, so it's real easy. You can follow us on all of our social media. We got great social media content generators uh, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, we're doing a cool deal with Twitter this year that I'd, I'd like to talk about here in a second. But um, you can go to tmpfl.com. Uh, all of our content is, is streamed on a new uh, streaming app called Fix TV. That's P-H-Y-X TV. So you can come to the TMPFL website, click the Go Live button, and then uh, it'll take you right to where you need to see all of our live coverage. Excellent. We're going to run out of time here, Brad, but uh, uh, definitely would like to have you back on another time as you continue to grow, uh, starting the, the third year here, and uh, would like to talk to you more about the other places you go to, and definitely appreciate you being on the We Fish ASA podcast. Appreciate the opportunity, buddy. Oh, no problem. That was Brad Fuller, president of the National Professional Fishing League. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Surley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org 
You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. I had an exciting past week. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, down at Lake Norman, watching the incredible Major League Fishing Red Crest Championship and the Expo, which is one of the coolest fishing shows you've ever seen in your life. But the coolest thing of the week was uh, being able to watch our next guest win the tournament. Unbelievable, beautiful red trophy, $300,000 check that's about the size of the biggest wall in my house. So much fun. He's one of the best fishermen in the world, and he's one of the nicest guys around. For the second week in a row, please welcome the one and only Mr. Brian Thrift. Hey, how you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Hey, you know what? I, I talked to a lot of people. This is a great sport with a lot of really great people in it. But I would be hard-pressed. I've, I've never heard a single person say a bad word about Brian Thrift. <laughs> what the heck is that? How do you have so many friends? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's been, been, I've been really blessed. <laughs> You're 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 a good guy. You're a good guy. I've always I've always said uh, you're a, a great fisherman, a great Christian, a great husband, a great father. Uh, you you got all the bases covered. Yes, that's that's what you try to do. I mean, you gotta just do your best you can to make everybody happy and take care of everybody because you never know when somebody's gonna need to take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know what? What's what's the hardest thing uh, to work at? Uh, uh, being, being a dad, being a husband, being a, a fisherman. Uh, what do you have to put the most effort into? <laughs> Definitely the fishing. Being a good dad and a good husband comes pretty easy. All right, that's you know what? I definitely definitely say the fishing. For 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 you, it comes easy. Uh, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to to have all those other things in, in line. I, I'm going to guess uh, uh, had some discussions about this in the past week, but uh, uh, being a good Christian probably puts a lot of that stuff in order for you. Yeah, it, it definitely does. It, it it definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about this big win, my friend. We had you on last week, said uh, looking forward to doing this two weeks in a row if you could pull this off in your home water. And, and, and in all honesty, I, wonder, I wondered about that. I didn't want to be a jinx to you talking about it too much, but you didn't seem to have any problem with being favored or being on your home water. That that did not hurt you in the least, did it? No, it, it didn't. I tried to go into it with an open mind. I mean, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I devoted one day of practice to kind of running history to see what was going on with some of that stuff and then I I devoted one full day of practice to practicing like I didn't know the lake huh. and it really clued me in on several different things and allowed me to formulate a game plan to target you know places that I could hopefully catch a 10 to 12 pound limit real quick and then go search for kickers the rest of the day how far how far did you have to run from the takeoff to your farthest spot during the tournament? Um, the first three days not very far, maybe fifteen miles. And the last two days I, I did run up in the river section a little bit, so probably twenty-five miles. 
Okay, and and that, how how far can you go? I think from dam to dam, it's probably right around forty miles. Oh man, that's a yeah, that's tough. That is real tough. Now you you you, you fished some new spots. Did did you find anything that surprised you? You know, I I know you can find uh, uh, you can find new spots and see new structure that you may not have seen. But was there anything really odd that made was totally different than what you're used to seeing? No, not really. Everything's pretty much status quo at Lake Norman. You know, it's a, a man-made impoundment with very little water flow. So the, the structure in itself doesn't really change unless, you know, it's a brush pile or something like that that somebody puts out. Okay, all right, fair enough. Now, let me let me ask, ask you this. Uh, I asked you at the press conference, after you, uh, after they handed you the check and the trophy, uh, <laughs> and I said I don't like to be, I don't like to be repetitive, but it's tough because uh, a lot of these questions just keep coming up. But I heard a lot of people before the last day saying, "Oh man, Brian Thrift's got this in the bag. He's got, <laughs> he's got spots in his back pocket that he hasn't been to yet. He's saving them for the last day, and he's only going to use them if he needs them." And he's up about five pounds. Uh, he, he may or may not need them. I, I don't know. That sounds funny to me to say you got fish sitting there waiting to be caught, but you don't know whether you want to catch them or not. Is that true? <laughs> did, did you have spots in your back pocket? I mean, I had a couple places I could probably go and caught fish, some two-pounders maybe, but not big ones. Like, you can't you can't hold spots with big ones on Norman because the, the bigger class fish, the three plus pounders or Norman are so unpredictable. And that's what really surprised me the last two days. The, the place I caught them up the lake, I was, I was expecting that to be a 10 or 11 pound place. Like just hopefully go up there and catch a couple of two pounders, and, you know, just to get a decent limit. I never expected it to, to hold the two and a half to three pound class fish that I ended up catching the last two days. That that is uh, that is all pretty amazing, and it's a tough tournament for the guys who aren't in first place. When you start falling back, because you, you look at this, you look at Elton Jones who finished who finished second. He would have needed at the last minute to pull close to seven pound fish out to catch you, and and there weren't no seven pound fish getting caught. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of sevens caught on Norman. There's a few caught every year. I mean, and you see several weighed in. And I think there was a local tournament this Saturday before we started, and there was actually an eight and a seven caught. Oh, oh my I mean, goodness! You, yeah, you see some big fish. So it's definitely not out of the question. And that was that was in the back of my mind. I was I was thinking that I was like, man, Alton and Edwin are. I mean, I know they've been catching big fish all week. I mean, one of them could catch a six or seven or eight pounder and still pull this thing off. And uh, I was scrambling that last hour, the last day, just trying to upgrade a little bit. <laughs> Especially when you look at that uh, uh, tournament that just, that just happened with, uh, with Chris Lane winning in the last 45 seconds. You know, you don't think that you're safe with a half an hour to go. A lot of the fans are looking on. Nobody's going to catch them, but – when a tournament was won with 45 seconds left, I know you weren't feeling confident. No, I wasn't. I wasn't even feeling confident until at the end of the battle. Like, I waited a couple of seconds to get 
confirmation. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I I saw I saw them counting down the last seconds for you, and you did not look comfortable until it hit zero. You know, and I I wasn't even comfortable then, especially you know with with experience. There's always it seems like every year there's an event or two where there's a fish that comes across score trackers, you know, that doesn't get updated till after 30 seconds after competition ends and steals a win away from somebody. Thank God. I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that didn't happen or, or we would have maybe seen the debut of Brian Thrift crying on live TV. It's very possible. Oh, man, and not crying tears of joy. I think you had some tears of joy happening when you wanted, but uh, we don't want tears of sorrow happening. Hey, being, being, exactly. <laughs> being on your home water, I, first of all, I can't I can't believe the number of boats that are parked at the docks and marinas down there. I imagine on a, on a warm summer day, that's got to be almost impossible to try to fish. You didn't have that. Uh, the water was pretty wide open for the tournament anglers, uh, which was a good thing. But everybody on that lake knows Brian Thrift. They know Brian Thrift's boat. What was it like having a relationship with the locals and the and the viewers and the fans while you were out for the day? Oh man, it was great. You know, I had a lot of boats following me, especially on the uh, the fourth day when it was nice and pretty outside, and it, it was great. You know, I, I loved it to have my friends and fans out there cheering me on on the water. I mean, they were all very cordial. They stayed back and were very respectful. It was it was awesome. Like I I loved it. Like it kind of kind of motivates you a little more. <laughs> oh, that, that that is that is a good thing because I I know uh, we we don't hear it a lot, but there there are situations where people get too close, or uh, they, they even though they're in their boat, it's almost like they want to fish with you. They want to get close and start casting in the same direction you're casting. That that's got to be difficult and. Especially that you're so visible, I mean, it's hard to hide from the spectators. But it's great to hear that they respect you because you're so well liked. It's I, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that nobody wants to get in your way or or, or spook a fish that would help Brian thrift out. They're all in your corner. Yeah, and I think that's true for for all the other anglers in the field as well. I'm sure Jacob and Kevin and. Connell and everybody had boats watching them and following them, and I, I didn't hear anyone say anything about you know the the other boats on the water being a hindrance at all. You see, uh, you ever see? Uh, I, I, I would never ask you to name names, but any of the other touring pros follow O'Brien Thrift? <laughs> no, no, I don't think we've ever saw that, and I don't think we ever will see that. I, I don't either, and, and I respect that because it would certainly be easy enough. Uh, I've seen it in walleye competition. The walleye guys call it tailpiping uh, and, uh, you know, say, oh, so-and-so's a tailpiper. You know, he can't find fish. Uh, he, he finds guys that can find fish. And I've never, <laughs> I've never seen that in the, I've never seen that in the bass world. Everybody's good, and it's almost like there's a feeling Nobody, uh, nobody wants to catch a fish off of a Brian Thrift spot. They want to catch a fish on their own spot. And, and that's true. I mean, from the tournament aspect, is you're not going to have this kind of 
do something somebody else is doing off, off of one of their places. You've got to go out and find something on your own that's not professional. Yeah, everybody would everybody would know real quickly what you are, and it'd take the 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 shine off the off the trophy if if they did that. Uh, I want to take a quick break. Come back. I want to ask you about your week. I want to ask you about sponsors. Uh, you got some sponsors that I that were ready to be dancing. Uh, so happy for your performance. But let's take a quick break and come back. I'm Steve Sarley. You're listening to We Fish ASA. And the guy that's on with us is the man. He is the champion. He is one of the best bass fishermen on the planet, and he keeps proving it again and again and again. He is the champion of Redcrest for 2023. Mr. Brian Thrift will be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your... Well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley, and I am ecstatic to be on the line with the 2023 Red Crest champion, Mr. Brian Thrift. Welcome back, Brian. Uh, you know what? You're, you're so even-tempered. You're, you know, I said, man, I'm looking at you up there at the press conference going, that's a happy man. And I go, you can't even tell he won this thing. He's always happy. Are you ever in a bad mood? <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it definitely happens. But it, it's, I usually try to keep it short-lived. Okay. But uh, it, it definitely happens. And I get, like, I'm the worst critic of myself. I'm harder on myself than anyone. You know, that's the... That's where my wife comes into play. When whenever I get in one of those deals where things don't seem to be going right and I'm not having a good event, I can call her during the break and she'll get my head screwed back on straight and get me back happy. I may not catch any more fish, but I'll be happier. <laughs> it's, it's easier to catch them when you're happy, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How do you how do you catch fish when you're mad? Jeez. How old are you, how old are your kids? Uh, 12 and 4. 12 and 4. 
Uh, and I, I assume they like fishing? Um, yeah, they don't love it per se, but they enjoy it and they like it. When you're sitting, when you're sitting there watching uh, Elton Jones uh, finish in second place at, a, at an early age, and what a what a nice young man! I can't say enough about Elton Jones uh, being a great fisherman, but being a, a spectacular human being. And sitting in front is his mom and dad. You know, Elton Senior, a great fisherman, and his mom, a very nice lady. Does it ever strike you back here, boy? I'd like to see one of my boys grow up, follow my footsteps, and 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 take up fishing. Oh, of course, I would love for that to happen, but but also I don't expect it, and I don't try to push it on them. I just I hope they they can find the one thing in life they're passionate about, and they want to try to be the best at, no matter what it is. And you know, if it's fishing, that'd be great. But I feel like if it was fishing, I would have too much influence on them, and they wouldn't. I I don't feel like they would learn as much as if they did it without my influence. If that makes any, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It, it's funny. I took a I took a boat ride with uh, uh, Marty Robinson before the. Well, it was the first day of the tournament. Uh, you guys were on the water. We didn't really. We didn't get out far enough to see but one professional boat fishing. And and Marty was talking about his two boys, and he's got one. Uh, I believe it's seventeen, one nineteen, nineteen year old is fishing professionally for the first time this year. And I said, uh, it's got to be a great help. You uh, having you to tell him out? He goes. I'll be honest with you. I've learned more from him than he's learned from me. Uh, I wouldn't be able to navigate this new forward-facing sonar without his input on this. He, he, I'm constantly going to him, asking him questions. It, isn't that amazing when you think about it? No, it, it really is, and that's that's the cool thing that I love to see, and especially in the high school kids and. Anytime I do a seminar, I always make it a point to to say, you know, pay attention to, you know, the professional anglers and the seminars and things like that and learn from it. But but don't stop there. you got to try to take the advice we give from our experiences on the water and try to take it to the next level. Try to improve on it. And because bass, that's the cool thing about this sport. Fish are always changing. And you, there's so many variables, you can never learn it all. Because just when you think you've got it figured out, something changes. And the fish change, they adapt to the different types of pressure and the different types of baits. So it's a constant learning environment. And that's, that's one thing I love about it. I think that's what makes it such a great sport. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, you talk about the, uh, the kids' fishing programs, high school and college and Man, it's amazing how the sport has grown, and that has a lot to do with it. So you get these kids, they go through the program, and they're doing great, and they're saying, hey, man, I'm going to be the next Brian Thrift. And then all of a sudden, to be the next Brian Thrift, you got to be outfitted to, to, to do combat on the water, and a brand-new boat's going to cost you over $100,000. you got to have a truck that's real darn expensive. Uh, how, how do you think? How do these kids overcome that today? You know, the, the the barriers to getting into professional fishing because of cost are extreme. They they are extreme now. I mean, that that's absolutely right. And I, I look back as to when I started and how things are today. And, you know, I can't fathom trying to start right now. <laughs> you know, it would be, it would take a huge leap of faith and, you know, you would would have to have some huge support behind you, and it it would be a struggle, but it's definitely doable. And that's that's the thing about 
that makes bass fishing so great is, you know, a bass doesn't care if you're in a, a brand new Ranger Z520R or have a brand new Hummingbird Mega Live draft. It, they, they don't care about that. So you can still find a way to compete no matter what you've got or what you're fishing out of, what equipment you're using. There's always a way to, to compete. And that's what makes it such a fun sport. Like it's, you don't have to have a particular body type like a basketball player or football player where you've got to be six and a half foot tall and weigh 250 pounds. You know, you can, you can compete no matter what God gives you. How tall are you? How tall are you, by the way? <laughs> I'm like five eight. You're five. I'm looking at a picture. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture that uh, we took with the with the trophy after the event. And I said, "Man, I never realized I was that much. I'm only six foot." But I said, "I'm much taller than them." I said, "That's uh, that's amazing." <laughs> so you, you don't have to be a giant to handle it. But what do you do to stay in shape? You are in darn good shape. What do you do? Um, I really don't do much. I've Yes, I've been blessed with a fairly high metabolism, and I, I work out occasionally. But I wouldn't say I'm a diehard at it. Actually, well, you, you know, you look at me; it's obvious I have an extremely low metabolism. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to blame when my wife starts getting on me for my diet. I'm going to say it's my metabolism. I swear. Look at Brian Thrift; he's got a high metabolism. I'm just slow. <laughs> oh man. Let's talk about that. Uh, we talked about sponsors. Um, I, I spent uh, a number of, uh, I made a number of stops at the Fitzgerald booth, the uh, uh, nicest people in the business as far as uh, being a, a manufacturer. And uh, they were so excited for you all the way, every day of the tournament. They kept building. Uh, they're a great sponsor for you. Uh, tell us how important Fitzgerald rods were to your effort. Oh, that was the, the utmost importance. Hang on one second. I'm trying to bait them. <laughs> I'm trying to get rigged up for our next event. <laughs> no time off, is there? No, there's no time off. We we start practice tomorrow, and uh, I'm going to try to get some stuff ready today amid the media interviews and things. But, yeah, the Fitchdale Rods, you know, they're, they are a great company, Trevor and Sonia. They started the company probably 15 or so years ago, and it was funny how I got introduced to the brand. Was I was actually fishing with with another buddy that was my co-angler. He was practicing with me. He lived down in Florida, and he was familiar with the Fitzgerald line of rods and had a couple of their flipping sticks. And at the time, I was I was looking for a good flipping stick because I didn't have one, and I used his for about a half a day and absolutely loved it. So I got Trevor's number from him, and I called and bought two of them, and I loved them. And then the next year, back in Florida, I called and buy three or four more. And over the course of four or five years, I probably bought 20 or 30 rods from them. And uh, finally, um, we kind of, I don't know what took us so long, but me and Trevor got together and we're like, hey, why don't we just try to do something together? And I was like, heck yeah, that's awesome, because I already love the rods, I love the brand, and you know, I'm buying them, so we might as well try to do something and grow it. We settled on developing a signature series line of rods. And everything has worked perfectly. You know, I, I designed all of my rods to the specifications that I like for each technique, and they turned out absolutely perfectly. And the the beautiful thing of it is, is now I'm on with the, with the reels as well. I've been throwing the new VLD-10 reel 
that's what I started using this year, and it's a great reel. Good. It really helped me a lot. Good. Excellent to hear that. Uh, who's whose line are you using? I'm using P-Line. I've been with them my whole career. Like, this hands down the best line on the market. And what's cool about P-Line, it seems like every two or three years, they'll come out with another new line. That I'm, and I'm like, well, they can't make anything better than this. And then two or three years later, here, sure enough, here we are with the new Spinex leader line and the, or the Spinex leader material and the Spinex braid for the total, total spinning rod setup. Uh-huh. Every year they come up with something new that's better and better. Unbelievable. That's uh, uh, excellent. Very good. I know that uh, I know that was big for you. And whose electronics are you on? I'm running Humminbirds, the Humminbird Mega Live, Mega 360. And it, it's pretty neat. I've always ran the Helix platform my whole career. I absolutely love that Humminbird Helix. And this year I switched it up to the Apexes. I just I'm all I'm a creature of habit, kind of like with the with the Minn Kota oil tracks. I was the last one to lay down my four tracks and get an oil tracks and have spot lock. And so this year I finally switched over and upgraded to the Apex system. But having that touch screen is just it's so nice and so awesome to be able to do waypoint management, control control through your screens and change things so quickly. You know, and, and it's yeah. Go ahead. And it, it's just such a much clearer screen, the difference in having a glass screen in that Apex versus a plastic screen in the Helix. You, you don't make changes often, and I think you think this stuff through real well. And you just you mentioned it in, in the Fitzgerald deal taking so long to make that happen. Same thing with uh, same thing with electronics. You, you didn't have an electronics uh, sponsor or anybody you were behind, you, you you were moving around, and I think you finally got sold on this is the one you're going to go with, and it was a big decision. It took a long time to make it, didn't it? Um, kind of. I mean, not really, because I've always ran the Humminbird Helix. So, okay. yes, I, I wasn't sponsored by them, but that's what I was buying. I was buying that Helix because the side engine was so great, and the 360 was so great. I, I had to have that. Like, I could not be without that. And fortunately, I was able to get on board with the team at Humminbird Minkota about three or four years ago. And, you know, it's just blossomed from there. They've definitely, hands down, got the best electronics on the market. That Humminbird Mega Live and the Humminbird Mega 360 paired together on that Apex system is it's just ridiculous at what you can see. Great. That is great. I, I look at your tournament shirt. And uh, I, I know when I look at your tournament shirt, you're not out there trying to collect every logo you can. Uh, you put a lot of thought into who is allowed to be on your tournament shirt. And, of course, I see Fitzgerald Rod taking up uh, some prime real estate on your shirt. But the one that really blows my mind is D'Amiki. Uh, You know, Fit, <laughs> Fitzgerald does not have a lot of people that they sponsor. It's a very select group. D'Amiki has an even smaller group. Uh, they they work with very few pros. How did that relationship happen? <laughs> so that was kind of a, a a funny story too. I mean, not really a funny story, but it was. Um, I guess back in two thousand and eight, actually, Demiki was my first ever sponsor to ever offer to pay me. Yeah. <laughs> And they were a new company that was just coming out, and I was a new angler. I'd only been on tour for two or three years, and somehow 
they got my number and called me and we've grown ever since. Like, I, I love that. I consider all the guys at Demiki family. I mean, we've had a great relationship over the last 14 or 15 years. And, you know, I plan to end my career with them. I mean, they're a great company, a great company to work for, and they make great products. I, 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 love, I love that relationship. And I love the fact that they're almost exclusive Brian Thrift, you know, it's, uh, it's just, a, 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 it says, it says, it speaks volumes. Hey, $300,000 check, uh, you're going to keep that gigantic check they handed you? You have room for that thing? Oh, yeah, we're going to get it framed up and hang it up in the shop somewhere. That's going <laughs> to cost you a fortune to frame it. It's so big. $300,000, I'm thinking... Lamborghini, Maserati, you're going to do something outrageous with that money and really go crazy, spoil yourself or spoil your wife? Um, no, not at all. I'll, I'll probably spoil the wife some. We'll probably get her something. But other than that, we'll, we'll probably squirrel it away for a rainy day. <laughs> College education. Those, those kids yes, don't have to exactly, worry. That's the first thing I thought of. They don't have to worry about college, but I know that uh, I know that uh, you're a, you're a regular guy. You're you're not a Maserati guy, uh, but but uh, I so I knew that wasn't happening. I'm just I'm just teasing that way, man. I, I time goes by so fast. I'm I'm happy you were able to give us uh, give us this time so close. What what the heck? Uh, uh, we're only uh, only about you know 24 hours since you won that tournament. It's a whirlwind. For you, everybody's wants a piece of Brian's rip. They want five minutes of your time. You spend a half an hour with me. I, I I'll never be able to repay you for your graciousness. Thank you for doing this, Brian Thrift. Uh, you are a champion in fishing, but you're a champion in life. You're you're, you're a great guy. Everybody should look up to you. Uh, if if you're gonna have an idol, folks, Brian Thrift <laughs> would not be a bad person to idolize. Let me tell you. I appreciate it. Hey, man, thank you so very much, and hopefully we'll be talking to you in the real near future. Yes, sir. Thank you, bud. Excellent. Brian Thrift, one of the best guys in the business, one of the best fishermen around. Absolutely love the guy. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast. We are the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guests for today, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Brad Fuller from the National Professional Fishing League, and a true superstar, Mr. Brian Thrift, the 2023 Red Crest champion, walking around with a $300,000 check in his pocket and looking for a place to put that incredibly beautiful, large, red Major League Fishing Red Crest Championship trophy. Brian Thrift, what a great guy. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best res on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa reels. Don't forget, our website is wefishasa.com. Write us there. We answer everything we get. If you like what you hear, let us know that. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? 
Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.